Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheos. I'm Karen Dempsey. And I'm Fred Curtis, and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies. Hello, everyone. Here we are today. It's a very rainy day in Dublin today, um, and I'm really delighted to be here today. I have like a good energy and feeling about mm, today. Hello, cozy. Karen. Yes. Hello, Ferg. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. I feel like we've been passing ships this season. Like we haven't, the last season we've been very much, you know, I felt like we were more in each other's presence. Mm-hmm. Whereas this week it's kind of just the podcasting. And because we're actually recording in bulk this season, yes. because uh, we both have so much going on. So it's helpful. Um yeah. So it's always nice. Well, funny. I mean, we only saw each other on Saturday night for the Lighted Up Gold. We so did. Ferg lives in my voice notes on my phone. Yes. <laughs> Morning, noon and night. The real <laughs> we, podcast. Mini podcasts. The behind the scenes, the Patreon <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> I said, Ferg, I finally got to a six minute voice note yesterday, which I was like, oh my God, I'm coming on Ferg's record of 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my actual, have I told you my actual record? Oh God, I'm afraid. 30 minutes. And the only reason it's 30 minutes is because... That is the limit. <laughs> oh, you cannot go. And I remember it happening and I was like, oh, 30 minutes. That's the limit. And I was so proud of myself. I was literally like, I know the limit. That must be a very special person. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, yes. Uh. Anna Brady. Woo-hoo. Um, do you want to maybe speak a little bit about the event on Saturday? Let's bring yes. Erica in first. We have a guest yeah. here today. Hello, Erica. Hi. Hi, how, how are, are you, you both? It's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Not at all. Um, we've so much to dive into and I have like three things now in my head that we're going to start with, but maybe Karen, do you want to speak a little bit about the event? Because it was really yeah, it special. Was gorgeous. I feel like we should mention poor Erica is up on a high tier beside us. So uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my legs are dangling. <laughs> it's super tall. <laughs> um, so the event on Saturday was the Lighted Up Gold um, Walk for Childhood Cancer. It was in Maynooth and it was their 10 year anniversary of the walk. Um, well, of the walk, yeah, of the meetup. And I was really honoured and privileged to have, and, and proud really, to have been invited to kind of emcee the event um, because I had been working a bit with some of the families who have been affected by childhood cancer in this country through, um, through various different types of work. And it will feed into what we're talking about here. Some through funerals for beautiful Beanie, the little Beanie person whose birthday was only a few days ago her 12th birthday. Um, and we echoed some of the pieces that we did at, at Beanie's funeral service we used during the event, which are really beautiful pieces. We might touch on them around, you know, how to enhance ceremonies when children are involved. Um, and the thing with that event that I thought was really so beautiful was it was formed, kind of organically formed by families who were affected, who had a child who had cancer. And they discovered kind of the hard way that there was no community for families in the situation. There was lots for adults with cancer, but there was nothing really happening cohesively for children, for families and children who were having cancer treatments and going through that, that journey. So they came together and they created this event and began the, the walk for, for, for families that were all affected by this topic. But the beautiful pieces, there was so much for me holding the space at that event. There was so much in the room. So many different layers of human experience because with families there who had lost a child precious to them, there were families there who had a child um, who was currently going through treatment and a lot of those children were there themselves who were currently going through treatment. Um, 
and playing and laughing. They were well enough to actually be at the event. Um, and there were families who were remembering somebody. And that we also we kind of remembered all of the families who don't yet know that they will soon be a part of this community. And that this community, this beautiful community exists and is there and is ready to meet them and hold them. Um, even though it's not what any family wants, to be actually able to be part of, a, of an existing structure, an existing safety net nearly that will catch families when they find themselves not knowing what's coming and not knowing what's happening. And, um, and obviously the whole family's, everybody in the family's entire life begins to revolve around hospitals and appointments and all of those pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, finding words that would land, whatever the word, that would land well with everybody in the room, regardless of what stage they were at. Some people were in hope and wanted hope. Some people, hope was too far of a reach. Some people, maybe the hope felt like it was gone. They'd lost their precious little one. Um, some people were feeling full of joy and seeing new faces. And some had recently, you know, had their last, their final treatment and they got a little bead of courage for their final treatment bead. And they had that joy and that excitement. And all of that, every family was so sensitive as well to other families' spaces. You know, that all of that was held in the space of one room and a one beautiful group of people. So I feel like I can't say enough about just how, oh, how much I loved being in that space with all of that going on and everybody just so willing to be where they needed to be in themselves, checking in with themselves, checking in with each other and hopefully kind of filling their cup a little bit so that they can move forward. Because the thing with families is they don't really have a choice in this resilience. They just have to be resilient. They have to find it from somewhere. And that puts such a strain on people. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. So there has to be a place to bring the exhaustion as well and bring the fatigue and bring, I don't want to do this and I don't think I can do it anymore. Yeah. And yet still somehow they go on the next day. Um, so yeah, God, I didn't know what that much of me to say about the event on Saturday. But And just to give a little nod to yourself about you speaking, my housemate was at the event and she was like, oh my God, Karen is such an incredible speaker. And she was like, I'm actually just amazed by how she was so amazed by how you got up and just spoke from the heart, but it was so articulate. And yeah, I think really did bring the whole room together. So oh, well, just to give a nod to that as well. Thank you. <laughs> because I was going to say it was so lovely as well to have. So Ferg and three of his colleagues were there. With the music, bringing our the heads music. Off. <laughs> <laughs> but it was brilliant because they brought i mean from your boots they There's brought an energy in oh erica you would yeah. have loved it yeah. like the, yeah. the music choice the song choices were phenomenal yeah. um and um and i when i when i finished speaking they said that uh the little group said oh my god i really you know what you said there was amazing and it is amazing to hear that as well because yeah. i was kind of holding it going i hope i'm i hope there's nobody now that's feeling like oh i, I don't feel like i was mentioned there i don't feel um and you kind of do have to just go with it from the heart based on what you're feeling in the room. Yeah. And that's what we train in our training as well, mm -hmm. very much, is how to feel what's happening rather than what your head might say. Yeah. Your head doesn't know <laughs> what's needed in a room. No. It's your it, your entire being. It is, yeah. Feels yeah. yeah. What's, what's there. Yeah. Um, and you're trusting that they connect then because it is up to yeah. them then to take what you give, whether it's through their music or through your words, for them to take it and connect then with the rest in the room. Yes. You know, that's yeah. their ownership on that too. And that's where the music was so key because you could see that you four were feeling, transmuting mm. somehow what was happening in the room through the music. The reflective moment, like the reflective pieces where people were coming back from the walk. Um, 
and then the build up, you know, the to the kind of the crescendo of it all. And, and people need that. Like yeah. that really helps people process. The music really helps move the emotions through and yeah, come out through the eyes sometimes or through the heart or through yeah. through the physical expression of dance. Yeah. Um oh Erica, we'll get you onto that as well. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Let's bring Erica mm. in. Erica, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, um and maybe speak a little bit on what we're gonna talk about today. Yeah. Um my name is Erica Delaney. Um, I'm an Entheos celebrant. Um, I start all of my ceremonies that way. That felt very <laughs> organic to do that. Um, so today we're going to talk about baby naming ceremonies and, um, and milestone ceremonies. Both of them um, are very close to my heart. And um, when I started my training with Entheos, I think I naturally thought that I would gravitate towards weddings and celebration that way. And then I realized because my former life um, as, as a dancer, as a performer, treading the boards and teaching children dance and then choreograph and, and then writing scripts and working with younger children. It was a skill. And then in learning about the milestone ceremonies, I thought, oh, so these can actually marry together. <laughs> pardon the pun, um, and they work so hand in hand. And because I like that, I don't get to leave that behind either, not really teaching children dance yeah. and like musical theater anymore. And it's evolved into the milestone ceremonies and, um, and what that's brought up for me has been incredibly exciting. Yeah. I'd love to ask that moment because I had a similar moment in the training, which I've spoken about before that I clicked into, ah, I get why I'm here. I get why I'm doing this. And now I'm ready to propel myself forward. What was the switch for you, did it happen in your training? Did it happen after that? You were like, this is my space. Do you remember that kind of moment where you're like, or was it a gradual moment? Um, it was both actually, okay. both can be true, I guess. Um, I think the click for me was, we have a lovely story, don't we, Karen? Um, yeah. and it was the first pride after lockdown and stuff. Um, and a friend of mine who is an Entheos celebrant as well, Kira, um, said to me, come walk with us in the parade. And I went, Okay. I had no idea who us was. So I just jumped in halfway through and yeah. And I'm walking and I'm like, um, who, who am I walking with? Like I was just happy to have my flag. Who are these people? You know, and, and there was just this energy and she ended up telling me all about it. And she was like, I can't recommend it to you enough. Cause she knew that I wanted to get into the celebrant world and then cut from there. I'm like in the middle of my training, and there was, it was one of the Sundays I remember because I remember leaving the Sunday bouncing into the rest of the week as opposed to, and for a you relate at the end of the weekends with our training, you'd be so exhausted. Yeah. This particular weekend, when the conversation started about the milestone, there was something landed in me and it kind of catapulted me forward where I said, I have to investigate that more. There's more to that. I don't know enough. I want to learn more. I'm ready to grab a hold of that more. So yeah, kind of, kind of a bit of both really, I suppose. Yeah. I'd love to, I think it's important now because actually what's interesting is I've done a couple of baby naming ceremonies. I've done no milestone ceremonies. Um, and that's a space that, you know, I, I don't know if I'll find myself in, to be honest, but I've loved the baby naming ceremonies that I have done. Um, but I think it's important to actually name what is a baby naming ceremony? What is a milestone ceremony? Because I was almost surprised when 
some of the couples would come onto the call and be like, what do we do? <laughs> what, like, what are we doing here? Uh, like, yeah, we, this is what we want. We know this is what we want. We're drawn to do this, but like guide us. And I was like, oh, people, not everyone understands what a baby naming ceremony is. What, and I actually think I want to hear what's a milestone ceremony. Cause that one for me has been like, Ooh, what, what do you do there? You know? So would you be happy to kind of basic one-on-one? What, what are baby naming yeah. ceremonies? Do you want to do baby naming? Will, will I take baby naming? I do whatever. I mean, I echo what Ferg said there as well. I don't do a whole load of baby naming ceremonies, but I do do a lot of baby funerals. Um, yeah. And in our training, we focus very much on people kind of tend to think that they are polar opposites of each other. They are absolutely not. They are actually effectively the same ceremony, just obviously with a very different emotion attached um, and a very different experience attached. So I love... I love that we began by even mentioning the training because I think that that is the foundation of where all this conversation is going. Yeah. Because I am really passionate about unshackling every ceremony from what we've been told it should be. And I think even the word baby naming, I kind of go, Whoa, because um, like, again, what does that mean? And also, like, is it a, is it a copy of... Are we trying to replace the existing church ceremonies? And I'm really passionate and I find it quite patronizing when people suggest that these ceremonies of early life are all replacements for church ceremonies because that is uh, doing a deep disservice to the families who are, who are coming to an organization or to a celebrant seeking a way to honor their child. Every child is entitled to that and honor, I mean, deserves is a strange word, but every child if, should have the opportunity to, to be seen and recognized and welcomed and honored as a sovereign being in the world in their own right. Um, and that family deserves to be supported in their stepping into this new re realm of family life, you know, that either they're a couple who are becoming parents for the first time, or they're a family who are welcoming their second child or their third child or the fourth or whatever number of children it is. And each time a new person enters the household, the dynamic shifts. So it is important to recognize this is where we're at now. These yeah. are the members of our family. Um, now we have photographs with all of the, and, I'm, and I'm really saying this with a caveat that I'm not saying every family should do this. We didn't do it in our family. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not for every family. And we totally hold that too. Yeah. Um, Eric, I know we're going to get on the, the piece as well, where it needs to be different for every family. It needs to be. It cannot be a one-size-fits-all ceremony. And that's why I think I'm so passionate about, passionate about it being compared to traditional church ceremonies. Because they, they are by the nature. And part of the, the beauty of those ceremonies as well is it is one-size-fits-all because that's where they're going for really is creating the... the the church and the vibe of, of that. And I, I mean, I, I see the positive of that and I see this, the struggle with that. Um, but yeah, I'll stop talking now and hand over to Erica. So go where you feel like you'd like to go. I, yeah. I don't want to get bogged down into any particular yeah. I think, topic. I think for me, from the training and then the progression into actually holding um, baby naming ceremonies, and I'm with you, Karen, on that. I would love another name. Mm. I don't know what that is. Give me time. I'm pretty sure I'll find it. A welcome it. ceremony, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, because that's exactly what it is. That's what I was going to get onto. It is a welcoming into the community, whether that be a family of four, whether that be a family of 16, where <laughs> all of the cousins have landed, or whether that be the wider community again, and everybody's landed into this venue that, you know, a family have booked. It doesn't actually matter. What really matters is it's about that small human 
and they are the center of it. And they need their moment in the sun. And you're right, every ceremony is different because of the circumstances surrounding that small child and then the, the ripple effects out from that. And you have to, as celebrants, I, and I, I would really like to emphasize how very important it is for us to hold that space. We have to listen. Um, we've got to pay attention to what's going on. We also have to be able to think on our feet. So once you're dealing with children, once you are dealing with, of any age, whether mm -hmm. they be babies, whether it be right up and we'll get on to milestone, it doesn't matter. Anything can happen on the day. Now, mm -hmm. anything can happen on the day of any other ceremony too. But with yep. children, oh my gosh, that's why I love working with them so much. They just get the structured lines and they blur mm -hmm. and they just mess it up and they just experiment. And then they feel the energy in the environment that they're in on the day. And then they just take off. Sometimes they rise to the occasion. Sometimes they do not. And you have to have an ace in your back pocket. You've got to be able to go with it. You also have to go to the parents, the guardians, anyone that's trying to keep the structure in the day. You have to actually find a moment beforehand and say, we're going to go with whatever today. Yeah. And we're going to allow that. And that's okay. So baby could be teething not feeding, not sleeping. And, you know, you can have a, a young mom come to you, which has happened to me, and say, oh my gosh, he had a dreadful night and I don't know how he's going to be today. You have to say, we're going to allow that. If you want to pause in the middle of this ceremony, that's okay. Mm -hmm. We can do that. And that's up to us then to A, hold space around that and make it okay. So yep. for those that don't know what a baby naming ceremony is, you're also telling them, now folks, this is what's happening today. However, we might take pause and that's all right. What is wonderful about baby naming ceremonies is there's always other young people there too. And mm. oh my gosh, do I love to get them involved. And they will surprise you as young as four and you say to them, I have a job for you. I have bubbles for you. I have rose petals for you. I have, they will rise to the occasion. Kids will always take a stand. They know, they feel it. Even if you don't say this is a very important day, you have to do this. You have to. Yeah. They know, they know when they have to step up to the plate and they take the baton and they run. And then it's that simple moment in a ceremony you say when you get to the end, oh, and I'd like to thank my helpers today. <laughs> and then you mention the name and oh my gosh, they're six foot yeah. tall and I played my role. And it, yeah. I never underestimate children and what they will bring to a ceremony. It's, it's very, very special. And they've been seen. Yes. When a child is seen for who they are mm -hmm. rather than for being good. Yes. That's, mm. that's such an important piece for children. And we need to create spaces for them to be seen without needing to assign rules or good or bad to it, to just let them step into their whole selves, come in. I often think of it as being like coming in behind their eyes mm -hmm. so that, so they're there. And it's fun if they let you see them like that. Yeah. That's such a privilege for us, um, as celebrants. And the way we're speaking now, I think it's hopefully it's becoming more apparent to people listening who are unfamiliar with all this. The difference between a ceremony that's called a baby naming ceremony or a, a milestone ceremony that's focused on the adults versus one that's actually focused on the children. Because it's too easy for us to focus on the adults and be like, now, for, it's going to take 30 minutes. We're going to have this and this and this. We're going to have a poem by this one. And everybody, shh, now for the next 30 minutes. That's completely out of alignment with what we actually want to be doing if we're genuinely seeking to serve the child that we're welcoming or honoring or, or, or doing whatever. Mm. Um, 
So it's so exciting so that we're exciting. finding the people, and I will say in Entheos, we are finding the people who get this and who are really passionate about this and who are actually going to be the change in ceremony that that we need, I think. Yeah. Otherwise, we end up getting institutionalized again into these rigid ceremony structures. I mean, you see people, they'll ask, what's a baby naming ceremony? And some you'll see celebrants that will come back and say, this is what it is, X, Y, Z. How can you say that? I mean, also, I know people need a little bit of a structure and they need landmarks. And there is a beginning, middle and end. And there is hopefully a time structure because also children do not like Mm-mm. long ceremonies. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Children like to know there's an ending in sight. Yes. Um, or to be part of whatever the, the kind of circle is. But I'm so inspired listening to you, Eric. It's yeah. amazing. I, I, it's just, it's one of those things as well. Um, you, you keep learning as you go. It's this evolving wheel that just keeps going and you pick up so much along the way. I think structure for me um, in the baby naming ceremonies, especially, I, I, I think with them being younger, yes, I suppose you can put a certain amount of structure to it. And you and you do need to, I agree, because when they are babies, like they, you, you have a window, you know, <laughs> and then they're out of there in whatever way, shape or form that is. So I think... If you, I always kind of say to the families, think of the pieces like moving chess pieces. So if the aunt wants to write a poem or if Mm -hmm. the cousin wants to sing a song, we're going to put them in. But as a celebrant, that's why I'm saying you need to have the ace in your back pocket where, you know, cousin might sing the song at the end because we mightn't get it in in the center because maybe baby's getting a little fussy Mm -hmm. and okay, let's move on to, you know, doing the piece with the baby. And you just got to move it around. And that's okay. That's where adults can totally readjust. That's where aunt knows, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to say my poem at the end or at the beginning because everyone's still yeah. settling or whatever. So adults will toe the line that way and you need to adjust as you're going. Yeah. So you can have structure, but again, I love to think of it like a chessboard where you're, they're moving chess pieces. So yeah. they're still in, but they may not be exactly A, B, C, D. Yeah. So you know what's on the board sure. and you can move them as needed. Sure. Mm. And also I, my top tip for ceremonies as well is, this is more probably for adults than children, but it depends. Whoever's feeling nervous, let them go first. Let the nervous okay, person yeah. off the hook early in the ceremony um, so that they can relax then. Because otherwise they're holding it for the whole time. Yeah. Or if a child is, is you know, anxious about their part, they want to play a part, but they're not really sure. Da, 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 let that child go very early in the ceremony. So, so that if they don't go then, they still have the space to decide later on that they might. Mm-hmm. Um, where if you leave it to the end and then they, they, they decide not to, the ceremony's over and they don't get the chance. Yes. And we need to be really mindful of how people are going to feel at the end of the ceremony because we don't want a child feeling bereft of an opportunity or feeling like they let the family down or feeling like they should have or, you know, we need to really mind those and think ahead, you know, on behalf of that child, how might this child feel at the end of the ceremony? And if it's a case that they don't do what maybe they thought they were going to, that we have a little chat with them mm-hmm. and we let them unburden any anxiety mm-hmm. they might have. And we bolster them then with the, you were, you did great. It was brilliant anyway. And, you know, maybe later on you can read this story to the person, to the child, you know, or whatever way we might find around it. But, um, and I think that's part as well of being trauma informed celebrants. That's anticipating these little micro traumas that can happen, but they are experienced as a trauma by a child and they can be life changing. I work as an adult psychotherapist and the things that people bring into therapy after a long time because they're, they're feeling a little bit, they're feeling ashamed really that this is too small to have had this big of an impact on my life. And it can be the very small things. And I say this as well with the caveat 
This is not to burden parents with the burden of trying to dot every I and cross every T for their child. You can't do that. Of course not. These little micro traumas are part of life and they are part of your child's experience in the world. And it's okay. We just need to try and be as gentle with them as we can. And that's all we can ever do. We cannot protect them from everything. So, yeah. Let's maybe give, let's do the thing you said not to do okay. and give the X, Y, Z, but just on the milestone, because in particular, I think people aren't familiar mm-hmm. with the milestone ceremony and I wasn't familiar with it before I did my training. And even after it's something I didn't put a spotlight on to even consider that was a ceremony I was going to perform. And I haven't, as I've said. So I'm even intrigued to be like, to hear how you're going to articulate what is a milestone ceremony. Can I add a little small extra bit on that? Because I think this podcast is a service to everybody. We're not looking for people to come to us for celebrants. Mm -hmm. I would love you to actually do it from an angle of if a family want to hold their own milestone ceremony without yeah. without a celebrant, yes. I think very often that's what people genuinely want to do and it might feel more natural yes. to them. I think yes. that'd be really helpful. Yes, yes. Over to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually think there's even less of an ABC to a milestone, believe it or not. And this is because as the more I thought about them, the more I'm getting into it, the more I want to put them together, the more I talk to people about it, the more I see the vastness of it, the more I see their potential. And again, they can be with a family of three or four, and they can be, you know, with your bigger family or wider family, with the whole community. They can be groups of family together. They can be anything. That's who and how they can be performed. Um, It can be from a child that's quite young, seven, eight, and you want to mark some sort of a rite of passage there. It can be leaving primary school, heading into secondary school, and you want to mark something there for them because you see the milestone in their life there and you want to support them heading into the next journey. It can be around that kind of like junior cert kind of age, you know, as well as they step on in or kind of leaving school and heading into college years. They're generally the sort of like milestones where families feel like they would like to mark something and they would like to honor and support their child or teen in their life and in their family. Um, And initially, when I got thinking about the milestone ceremonies and the work that I was doing, and as I researched more, it started to move away from the writing of letters and the poems and everything, which are beautiful. And they hold their special moment in the event. And absolutely, they are welcomed. But I started to feel that they possibly aren't focused on the child. And yet, if you go to a teen and you say, hey, would you like to read a poem? You're going to get, no, (laughs) you know, or hey, what would you like in your ceremony? I don't know. Like, that's what you're going to get. It's like school. Of course. (laughs) However, if you put droplets into their head and you meet them on their level, whether it be they could be a super sporty kid, they could be like very theatrical they could be like a swimmer. It can, they can be super arty. So you're saying, okay, let's use what you consider your skills or your talents or what you do with your, like your peers and let's create something and, and put that at the center of it. Because if you ask them to stand up and shine the spotlight on a teen, they are going to run to the darkest corner. They don't really rise to that. Not initially. However, 
If you take something that they do rise to and you put that at the center of it, for example, it was something that I was talking to um, a friend of mine about the other day and her son, super, super sporty, um, all about the soccer. And I said, how about this? Instead of writing the letters and writing the poems, you take the soccer ball, you get a Sharpie and you write your messages all over this ball. How proud we are. We support you. We hope that all your dreams come true. Maybe something even a little more personal because you're going to know this child a little bit more. So you get your nearest and dearest to write messages. You go to the nearest field. You literally put the ball down on the penalty spot and you're taking the goal shots. And as somebody calls out their dream and their wish for you or their intention for you, you take a kick, you take the shot, you hit the back of the net, you hit the goal. And that's what it is. You're seeing them wanting to hit their goals in their next stage of life. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. You know, <laughs> that'd and, be amazing for a team. Even yeah. to do together. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I've been talking to stage school people because obviously that's my background too. And they get to end of year performances where they would work all year on a performance. Hey, hey, brilliant audience, clap, 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 spot light comes down but then what there's kind of an anticlimax. they get back to the classroom and it's just them and their peers and how about they equally decide well I'd like to do something I'd like to share something I'd like to take a rap song and put new words to it mm. and express what this year has meant to me and what you all mean mm. to me or whatever what I've learned so you're taking it and turning it on its head and the child then is rising to the occasion from their point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not saying stand up there now and read that poem. And they tend to prefer to be in little groups of their own peers yes. rather than individuals. Absolutely. They, know, they seem to know themselves better in relation to their own little Yeah, group. they're totally comfortable. And I want to actually also really bring in those children who do not have a remarkable particular talent. skill mm-hmm. or, you know, don't have a big talent or, and who are quiet children or who are neuro, maybe are neurodiverse children mm-hmm. or are, and I mean, obviously this applies to all different children, but I speak for myself. I was a, I would have been one of those quiet kids. I love books. Mm-hmm. I love books in a quiet corner. Leave me alone. Like that was, that was who mm-hmm. I was as a teenager. Um, and uh, even younger as well. I probably came into myself a little as a teenager, but, um, for me, when I think back, when I began doing all the ceremonial work and I thought back, I was like, my, for me, if I was 13 or 15, uh, or maybe 18, I was, I know, I was nursing when I was 17. What am I talking about? I was an adult when I was 17. <laughs> but if I was 13 or 15, I would have hated to be told Saturday at two o'clock is your milestone ceremony yes. where we're going to, we're all going to gather together and, you know, big you up. I would have wanted to just, and I would have been really angry and I wouldn't have felt like I would be able to voice that anger. So I would have shown up on Saturday at two o'clock, mm-hmm. but it would have been a really un, a really difficult situation for me. And I wouldn't have felt able to say that. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we as celebrants, if we're out there in the community serving our communities, we really need to feel into this on behalf of each child. Mm-hmm. Um, is this what, is the child just nodding and saying, oh, okay. And they might not even say, oh, okay, then they might say, oh, that sounds great. Probably I would have been very compliant and people pleasing. Yeah. I would have probably said, oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll choose a poem or Uh whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I would have liked potentially, and I'm not saying I would have liked this. I actually wouldn't. (laughs) But if I had to have any kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. I think I would prefer something that would be really quiet by a fireside somewhere. Low key. People sitting around, maybe telling stories from their teenage years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I could just hear the stories of their teenage years. Yes. And they talk. And I take what I need from that. So I think it's really important as well to kind of hold all of these different manifestations yes. of young life. And also to remember that how, how a child is in the world as a young person or a child 
isn't necessarily how they will be in the world as an adult. Mm -hmm. So you could have a really out there confident child who actually ends up being quite a quiet um, adult mm -hmm. and vice versa. You can have a really, really, really quiet child who goes on to be like, I mean, here I am talking here I am, so <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> like me rah, 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 out there in the world all the time. But as a child, I was very quiet. Yeah. Um, I just, I honestly, I wanted a book and a quiet corner and that's all I ever wanted. And it still is what I want now. I'm going to ackle later on to actually <laughs> sit in a quiet corner by the fire yeah. and have a little bit of downtime. Um, but yeah, actually, there you go. I went off yeah. a little tangent there, but I wanted to make a stand for those. Yeah, um, yes. I suppose that kind of leads me to thinking, Erica, what would you have wanted? Mm. Um, or did you have anything uh, that was similar to what a milestone ceremony would have been? Um, what would baby Erica have wanted? Baby Erica? I, um, or young adult? I think, yeah, I think when you asked me that question, I naturally go to that 14, 15 year old. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I would have wanted where I was at in my world. And, and very much at that point in my life, it was about my peers. It was about music and movement and dance for me. And I probably wouldn't have wanted a spectacle that was um, very Disney-ified, if mm -hmm. I may say. Um, I probably would have wanted something a little more grounded um, if you had said to me, um, you get to like, you know, create your own costume from like, you know, wow. secondhand um, clothes <laughs> and then we're all going to sign it and like, like, you know, put messages on it. I would have been like, oh, oh yeah. Oh my God, go to the thrift shops and, like, them, oh, know, and be super amazing. creative that way. Or um, if I could have like gone to my dance teacher who at that stage in my world was pinnacle for me and said, can we work on a piece together, just you and I, and then can I surprise my people and my peers and show them? You know, um, like something like that would have yeah. really resonated with me because I, and I wouldn't have had to say anything. It wouldn't have been about me standing up and speaking. My communication would have came through my body and my movement because that's where I feel most comfortable and I still do today. Um, so yeah, it's, and I, and yet I feel like I would have connected with everybody like I would have wanted to, because that's yeah. what it is at the end of the day. We just yeah. want to connect. And Ferg, we're not getting off the hook. What would you? No, I'm like? not. Uh, even, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. No, I like because I was question, like, oh my god, it? are yeah. they going to ask me? Yeah, and sorry. I was like, I actually, no, I don't think I have an answer because I think, let's say that 15, 14, 15 year old kid, I don't. Looking back now, I really did not know myself mm. because, and I know that's mm. very common for, mm -hmm. but I was so. And I didn't feel this at the time, but I look back, I was so quiet. Mm. Like I was so quiet in school and around people because I was bullied. And I was like, shut up, don't say anything, don't put the spotlight on. And then next to that, I had this draw to be on the stage. So I would be getting up at school and singing and doing the music or the musicals. And then at the weekend, I'd be going to stage school. And I felt this extrovert side of me and this this want to perform and then behind that I was like it's not that I wanted to shut up I was like this is survival yeah. mm. shut up don't mm. put yourself out there like don't say anything um so I don't like having a ceremony mm -hmm. I don't mm. think I would have wanted that spotlight on me because I would be 
I would have been fearful of what possibly could have been directed towards me. Like I didn't want any more attention because a lot of the attention I got was negative. Yes. Except when I sang. Yes. That's the only time I got like, oh, you're really good. Yeah. You know, or like, so... I really, I actually don't think I can answer that because it's really I, important. What you've said there, Ferg, is amazingly important mm. because that's honoring the place where you are at at 15 years old. And that's what I think is so important because families and parents or, or guardians, who are, they, we don't really, we, we would like to know the inner world of our teenagers, but we don't really know their inner world because they're, they're transitioning into from the childhood world into the adult world. That's what we're maybe trying to honor. And at the same time, we don't know. Mm-mm. So we can't insert ourselves into that inner world thinking we're doing good where it could be causing a painful piece for mm-hmm. a young person who's like, please don't put another spotlight. I can't, uh-huh. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. unless they go, unless they go along like what you were saying about going to, I, I love that idea, going, like going to thrift shops and picking out mm-hmm. something gentle and so natural all, like that. All those little things really made me be like, lean into the ceremony is just part of life. Yeah. And actually for the milestone ceremonies for teenagers, it's just about teaching them to have a moment to celebrate themselves or to check in with themselves. Or even me saying like, I don't know if I'd want one. I'm also like, but if I had one, could it have been healing? Who knows? Um, And it reminded me of, do you know when you'd finish primary school? I don't know if everyone did that. And you'd sign the yeah, shirts. Yeah, they're so because important. Because it's the last yeah, time you yeah. do. Like, I was like, oh my God, that's a ceremony. Yes, it is. Like, I literally yeah. just had that moment yes, as you is. were speaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? And each person gets to see each other. You know, when you're in school, people don't generally go, you're great, you're great. They might, and they might give the difficult stuff rather than the positive yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you get to actually see written down, oh, people actually yeah. thought, thought some good, good things about me. Or, yeah, good, yeah. 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 You get to actually acknowledge And I feel other. in those moments, going back to what you were saying about uh, children or teenagers knowing the importance I feel like so one of my fears around, let's say, signing the shirts would have been like, no one will sign it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but actually people did sign it. And I think in those ceremonial moments, kids step up yeah. Yeah. and they go, oh, no, this is important. And even if you weren't friends or if there was, you know, tricky kind of relationships mm-hmm. or, you know, diff- just being different people. Yeah. People did then step up and sign the yearbook or whatever yeah. it was called yeah. in Ireland or the shirt or people do step up around that ceremony. Yeah, it gives people kinda, an opportunity as well to drop maybe the persona that they have. If they're being mean, maybe to, uh-huh. it maybe gives them a chance to drop that because mm-hmm. sometimes like it, things are going on, all sorts of things are going on for kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, how they're seen and their perspectives. Um, and I was going to say something to you there on. Yes, the piece as well around them. Um, it gives teenagers a chance to check in with themselves and to see who actually am I when I'm not making an effort to be somebody else. Yes. And that's really rare. And so important. For teenagers. Yeah. It's so important. Because they're told, important. strive, do, be, do the best you can in your exams, hit these benchmarks, decide what you want to be as an adult. But actually, who, what do I actually love? in myself and that's if we could get our teenagers to just check in with yeah. what do they truly love not to, mm. what do they think they should love mm-hmm. um that in itself is a milestone moment absolutely and um, it's important to learn that as a youngster yeah, yeah. And because it, helps, yeah. it gets really hard when yeah. you get older and you're you wrapped up it. in it yeah. but this is my identity this is yeah. what i'm known exactly. for this is what yeah. i do and then when you start going i don't like this yeah 
And then you have to unravel a mm-hmm. whole part yeah, of yeah. inverted commas, inverted commas, mm-hmm. your yeah, identity. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's, so teaching kids that to be like, what do you like about yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And be okay with saying it. Yeah. And listening to them. And listening share, to Creating them. spaces for them. And yeah. thanking them for sharing it. Yes. You know? And I love that we're having this conversation. I really do because I love, what I love about Entheos is our ethos is to be sending people out into the communities to be able to have these conversations with the people in their community, like peers and families and that, so that those families can have these conversations at home um, or in their own spaces. And it's we are never seeking to be a commercial entity that says, hire us, hire our celebrants, yeah. hire our celebrants. That's not what we're ever, ever, ever yeah. saying. We want to support people to actually have the knowledge to hold their own ceremonies. And yeah. by all means, we will, of course, we are available to hold ceremonies with families when that's what they want. Sure. But we want to share knowledge. We want, I mean, other celebrants listen to this podcast from other organizations. We want to share mm-hmm. our way of doing things because yeah. that might inspire other yeah. people to do things. But even opening up the space for, as you're saying, like some families might just want to have their own thing yeah. Yeah. and opening up the space to approach a celebrant and be like, could you guide us? Mm-hmm. But we don't need you on the day. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. Or even like I've been doing a lot more funerals lately and I always try to include be like, you know, it's a difficult day. It's a difficult time. Find your moment. You know, you're saying goodbye today, but you can take that on and you can light a candle tonight or you can go for a walk and you can say your own goodbye. That might mm-hmm. feel more correct for you. That's not in a crowd. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it with you know, one or two or three, or I'm, I even sometimes say like when you're having that pint later, yeah, that's saying goodbye as yeah. well. Yeah. And it's just, I love the idea of ceremony, literally getting the coffee. Like it's part of our everyday life. And yes. I think that's so important in the milestone yeah. in particular ceremony. I think yeah. when you said as well, you know, it's, um, we're teaching them to show up that in itself is the lesson because you're teaching them whether they know it or not to get present because they're so mm. not, there's a lot of the time where they're so not in their bodies. Yeah. So even if it's around the dinner table on a Saturday evening, whatever time you pick that, you know, and it's just you and your brothers and sisters, I don't know. And it's, it, it's as simple as that. Um, that can be ceremony. I think when people as well hear the word ceremony, they think it's got to be this big hurrah. And mm. it's and it's really not that. You're right. You both have you both touched on it there, where it's it's very much just finding the moment. And if you can s- teach those kids just to open up even a little and get really present, and then you have a moment to even say, "We're really proud of you." Yeah. Right now, you need to know that this is where you'll get your constant support. We see you. And we express exactly who you are. We welcome who you are in whatever way you want to show up. That's teaching them to always know where their home is, mm. where their constant is. And it's really important. And a family can just take that on board. Like you're saying, family can just take that on board themselves and do that. Yeah. That is ceremony. And actually, as you say that, Erica, that's so important. We are here. We are your home and we are willing to listen if you are willing to listen. And I think so, a lot of time parents maybe need to do some work on themselves as well in order to be able to listen because yeah. we all carry our own stuff. Um, I recommend therapy for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I want to name in this and we, I hadn't even realized I was going to go here, but I want to talk about a little bit about um, about self-harm, eating disorders um, suicidal ideation, mental health issues with young people. Because I think a lot of families struggle with, oh, how do I, I, I suspect my teen is self-harming. What, how do I, and, and obviously it becomes a huge, all-consuming worry 
for the family. And then the teen knows that this is a big all-consuming worry and then yeah. the shame cycle kicks in. Um, and I think what you just said there, because sometimes it is a matter of um, slowing everything down mm. and allowing space for that young person to communicate what they might need to communicate because we can't fix it. I think as parents and guardians and families of young people and, and peers and aunts and uncles and siblings and nibblings and all, all those, um, that we can't fix it for a young person when they are going through these, but we can create a space for them to be able to breathe and talk. And things like self-harm, um, even acknowledging that maybe we, we have a suspicion that this person is self-harming or that we know they're self-harming, and that, that and we're here and we're not going to try and pin them down to share to tell us all the details or tell you know find a thing that's caught you know just opening those lines of communication having a space on the sofa a blanket to sit under uh you do what you need to do i'm here i want to mind you i want to keep you safe even maybe to open up a conversation around just the safety boundaries if if, if that's a concern because i'm being i feel like i, I want to be really real about this as well mm -hmm. um alongside all of the other support and there's so little in terms of supports for mental health for for young people like it does fall at the doors of families and it's very difficult um so yeah, i don't know if either of you have anything to say on that it's actually making me think of sex education the new yeah. series i don't know if you've yeah, watched it i haven't watched it yet i'm so excited yeah so i'm not gonna, i'm not going to say anything because it's just come out but that was one of the things that was really prominent for me was oh, wow. the parent and child relationship and both sides of that and I felt I don't want to say too much because this isn't a like recap or you know you lose and I loads of our listeners yeah I don't want to give spoilers <laughs> but it's that thing of you know communication to to a point but just being present yeah letting the communication even be secondary to yeah. just being present and just being like I don't want to speak can I just sit here? And there's one scene I'm thinking about in particular um, where a parent and a child are just lying on their bed and you know the child doesn't want to speak and you know the parent also doesn't have the words to help yeah, and doesn't know yeah. how to help. And just seeing them on the bed, just showing up and being present and then being like, we can find the communication later. Yeah. I think that rang so true for me in that series. And that's kind of what I was, yeah. I was thinking about a lot of those relationships as you were talking oh, that about that. Oh, that sounds so emotional. Look at the tissues. The right? last season is very emotional. Okay. Very emotional. And yep. emotions are welcome. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what came up for me there is, Ferg was saying that is, um, even with the baby namings and I sort of go a little bit backwards there, they can sound like they're going to be this like wonderful, joyous, amazing you do not know what's going on yes. within these families. You do yeah. not know the anxiety. You don't, you've no idea. And it's the same then with these milestones. So they might come across that, oh my gosh, a milestone ceremony. How joyful, how wonderful. You don't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. So you have to be able to hold, hold it all yeah. and be mindful of it all. And even if, and I remember in training, Ferg, you probably remember this too, um, where um, Karen had told us about, you know, you don't, you don't know what's happened beforehand. You don't know what's happened even in like the 48 hours going into any ceremony yeah. and that you just have to hold space or you've been told 
perhaps a family yeah. does come to you with a milestone ceremony and they're saying, we really want to honor our child. We want to support them. This is what they've been through. Yeah. I don't want you to talk about this in the milestone yeah. ceremony, but I do need you to know the journey to this point. And I want you to know how significant this ceremony is because this is what we want them to know is that they are loved, they are seen, they are supported. Yeah. Um. So, so it, it actually takes away the you know, the razzle dazzle and the sparkle of possibly mm. the notion of what the ceremony is or should be. Do you feel, sorry, Karen, this is a question for you. Do you feel it's necessary to know um, oh, not all the details because you can't know all the details mm. of people's lives, but to know big things like, for example, a funeral I performed recently, I didn't know a major part of that funeral until the day before and I found it out through the funeral director, but the family had just decided not to tell me because they were going through grief. They were trying to organize the funeral. I'm sure they were just like, I knew it was tricky. But then when I found it out, I was like, okay. And I went home and I changed all my words. Okay, I changed yeah. how I worded things. I changed and I was like, okay, this feels better knowing that now. Do you think it's, let's say with um, milestones or baby naming, do you think if there's anything tricky or uh, a big reason why they're doing this do you think it's important for the people organizing it to share that with the celebrant or do you think it's that that's their decision yeah it's everything is always their decision yeah but i think it's really helpful for us to let them know that it's helpful for us to know the context that we're working in um we yeah. call that the field in the in the psychotherapy context um it is important to know what's going on in the field and I put that on, it's a question in my intake form when I'm having a, a, a call with a family. Is I ask the various questions and then I say, is there anything else that's helpful for me to understand about the family dynamic? Because sometimes it's, you know, my parents are separated, you know, the, the grandparents are separated. They're going to both be there, but there's, you know, so that you don't use language. I don't, can't even think what the words would be. But so you don't say something like, look how happily married your grandparents are, you know, something yeah, silly yeah, yeah. like that. Because <laughs> some people do that in weddings and I always go, oh. <gasps> Have you checked mm -hmm. that they, yeah. like some will say, oh, you've got such, um, you've got such role models for marriage in both sets of parents. I'm like, that's a risky thing to say because mm. nowadays a lot of people, a lot of couples yeah. are not, um, and we can't make any assumptions ever about any family. Mm -hmm. That's really important as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. in, um, in the world of stepping into families, we cannot assume anything and it's okay generally, well, not to ask, but to, yeah, to kind of suss out what's the layout. Um, to open up the space, I suppose, space, find yeah, wording so, so they know. And also to not make things important that are not important. Like you don't need to know if it's a blend of family, you don't need to know which kids are whose. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, sometimes people make things about this. Mm -hmm. It's a family. Yeah. We're, we're, here's a family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kids are fostered, kids are adopted, kids come to, into families in all sorts of ways. And also it can feel quite tough on that child if that keeps being renamed Absolutely. sometimes depending, totally. on, depending on the context. Um, so it's a family in front of us. I think the other thing that's really important to honor as well in um, if it's a baby welcoming is how the baby came to be in the family. And families will have different ways of, of describing this. Um, how, the, how the child came to be in the family and also if, some, if one of the parents gave birth to the child, some breathing space around what was the experience of the birth of this child? So that we're, we might need to directly ask. I, I do ask. Um, I ask what did this child make known about themselves before they came into the world? And if one of the parents gave birth to the child, they will, um, they will have a whole life story of that child before the child was born um, because they will have been experiencing them. And nobody ever asked that. 
Yeah. And mm. it's funny and the little characteristics that people perceive and how they show up in the real world. Um, and also to hold a space for birth trauma. Yeah. For anybody that was involved in the birth. Um, because very often that just gets, the baby's healthy, baby's here, isn't it great? The baby's healthy. And all the trauma is shoved down. And that can be anybody that's involved in, in the birth room. Because in the obstetric world at the moment, it can be very traumatic. Um, on the child and the parents mm-hmm. um, and, and grandparents and so uh, holding some space for the truth of that alongside the joy or whatever other um, experiences we're welcoming. Um, in order for the parents to feel seen in their truth and not performing like this is all great, that they can actually feel held. Um, and things like this are important as well. Even in our training, I always try to not say too much about our training because uh, it's a surprise. <laughs> but in the training, we do look at, um, we look back on, on the birth and early life experiences of tra- like each person looks back on their own birth and early life in a very held way and what they experience tends to be really so I mean I did this myself in my own training it's really surprising what comes up when you actually because we don't generally take time to do that Mm-mm. um so even though the baby is a little babe in arms and has been held in this family context a lot can change from the family context when this child is is born and is being he- held within their family to maybe when they are seven to when they're 10 to when they're 15, that whole family might be totally different to the people that were here on that day. You know, lots and lots and lots can change in a short few years. And when grief is involved, that can be really impactful on the whole family, on everybody involved. Um, So yeah, family life is complex and we are here for the complexity of it. We're not going to assume ever that it's straightforward to up to down 2.4 children. Uh, like all these conversations, we can keep going yeah, and we can <laughs> keep finding new paths and new routes. Um, and I always feel like the bad guy having to bring it to the close. Berg sees the clock, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have my I will be here all day. Yeah. I think you would do it. <laughs> um, but Eric, I'd like to leave you just with the last bit of space. If there's mm. anything in particular you want to share about being a celebrant in general, about milestone baby naming ceremonies. Where can people find or, you, Erica? Yeah. Erica well, um, celebrant.com. That's my website. That's the best place because right there you can email me or call me, whatever. Um, and then I'm on Instagram as well, Erica Delaney Celebrant. Um, I think for me in the celebrant world is it never fails to surprise me. Um, I'm learning every time whether it be, gosh, from the very first inquiry with um, a family, a couple, whichever, um, constantly learning from my colleagues. And I, I do not take for granted how lucky I am to have stepped into this world. And I have said from the very beginning, especially in joining Entheos, they're my tribe. Mm-hmm. I found my tribe. Um, I couldn't be happier I love this journey. I hope it has many, many years to come. <laughs> Thank you. How beautiful. And we love having you, Erica. It's <laughs> Thanks amazing. for having oh. me today. Thank you so much, everyone. I am Thanks, going to Berg. do the awkward thing of please, could you rate, yes. review, subscribe? Yeah, yeah. Um, we keep meaning to say it and we, we always forget. So please yeah. help us out this one time we've remembered. Rate, please. You. It does. <laughs> it actually genuinely does help kind of spread the episodes to other people or get them in front of other people's eyes and myself and Karen had a conversation where we were like we want people to hear these conversations 
that's why we're sitting down a mic to share yeah. them every week um, every week yeah. they're so informative yeah. I'm oh, always good. a celebrant on the other end you know <laughs> listening so <laughs> I thank now. you for your work um, I, it's, oh, it's oh, most appreciated you. especially yeah. yeah. so rate, review, subscribe <laughs> bye do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs>